Welcome to It's Hard to Be a Leader podcast. I'm your host, Elena Noel, certified NLP practitioner and CEO and author of Inspiring Accountability in the Workplace. Join me on this podcast for brain-based strategies, insights from guest leaders and coaches, and actionable solutions for your real-world leadership challenges. It has never been more challenging to be a leader, but it's hard to give better support to others if you're not receiving enough support yourself. I've helped thousands of leaders improve employee engagement, accountability, and results, and I'm here to support you in navigating today's challenges so you can enjoy being a leader while bringing out the best performance and fulfillment in your employees. If you would like to submit your leadership challenges and get some support from the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can submit your questions and challenges at itshardtobealeaderpodcast.com. I originally recorded this as one episode, but I've decided to come back and turn it into two parts. Welcome back to part two of how do you hold someone accountable? In part one, we talked about the neuroscience behind accountability. We redefined it. And here we are to learn about that how. How do you actually have this conversation to hold someone accountable? Inspiring Accountability uses the clear results model. And this is a model that you can use to have effective and supportive accountability conversations that get better results. And we are working with that neuroscience. So if you haven't listened to part one, highly recommend you go back so you have some context. And all right, let's get into the clear accountability model. There are five steps that make up the acronym CLEAR. And here they are. Clarify the desired result, learn what's in the way, explore what's possible, ask for the action step, and revisit. So we're going to go through all those in more detail. You can find this model on our website, inspiringaccountability.com, and in the book, in our course, etc. So if you want to see a visual of the model, you can go to one of those resources. Let's start with the first step. So if you need to have an accountability conversation, you want to start by clarifying the desired result. Now there's a process I do have in the book that has a certain checklist you can go through to make sure the desired result is clear. I'm not going to go through that here. It's actually a whole entire chapter in the book, but it's actually surprising. The feedback I will often get from workshops is, huh, I actually thought I was being clear, but I could probably stand to be even more clear. So If you're interested, feel free to check that out, but you don't have to. Let's just start where we're at and let's start with whatever the desired result that you have is. Now, part of the important part here is we're calling it a desired result. And that includes one of the key components, which is you need to focus on what you are looking for, not what you want to stop. So whatever it is that you're looking for from this employee, if you have a working example for yourself, go ahead and clarify that desired result. So when you start the conversation, you might say, hey, this is what we're looking for, or this is what I need from you. Ideally, you'll include some context as to why it's important, what that positive impact is. So I'll use a simple example of being on time to meetings. So you might say something like, I notice that you're often about five minutes late to our regular meeting. I really need you on time so that we can use our time efficiently. So I'm asking you to be on time for our regular meetings. That would be step one. And from this stage, you're going to now learn what's in the way. And you would do this by saying, what do you think is getting in the way now of you being on time to meetings? And from here, you would listen to whatever the employee might say. You want to unearth 
whatever might be making that difficult so that you can make a realistic path forward with their real reasons. So this is the time when leaders often hear excuses. And I've heard many times that leaders do not like hearing excuses. It's kind of tied though to that original traditional definition of accountability, right? You're expected to justify, but the truth is that excuses for any individual are actually just reasons. They're valid reasons to that employee. They're letting you know what is real for them in preventing them from meeting that desired result. So I'm going to read an excerpt from Inspiring Accountability in the Workplace on Excuses. Excuses sound like avoiding accountability, but they actually let you know what you need to account for to successfully get the result. Excuses are like helpful road signs. They tell you what's ahead so you can better choose how to get where you're going. An excuse only remains a barrier to results when left unspoken. Only when what's in the way is brought to light can we ask what's possible. Excuses become an essential part of navigating to the solution. Once expressed, excuses become a tangible tool to incorporate into the solution, either through removing, reducing, or adapting to what's in the way. So I encourage you to listen intently to what they're sharing and what might be in the way of them achieving this desired result. But now you might be saying, well, what am I supposed to do with these excuses? Because I think a lot of leaders avoid doing this step because they don't necessarily know how to navigate these excuses. They're not sure where to go from here because a lot of excuses can be valid, right? Maybe this person says the reason they're late is because they're in charge of dropping their kid off to school that day and their kid's going through a phase where they don't want to go to school. What are you supposed to do with that as a leader? But the clear results model helps you navigate excuses in a way that is supportive and validating, but also realistic and action-oriented. So the next step, after you've heard what's in the way, after you've heard these reasons, is to explore what's possible. So let's say that in our example of being late to a meeting, that this individual said that one of the reasons they're always late is because they're on a call with an important client right before. And the client always talks and talks, and it's hard for them to wrap up the call because they don't want to be disrespectful. Well, I would say that's a pretty good reason to be late because they could assume that you would actually think it's a great idea that they're giving this type of service to a high value client. So even though you might have been frustrated or mentioned it occasionally, you know, I wish you could just be on time to meetings. They may not have put together that a better choice would be for them to do something different with this client and get to your meeting on time. So let's say that was their reason from here to explore what's possible you would say, okay, given that that meeting with the client always runs late, and I would prefer you manage that time better and be on time for our meeting, what can you do to be on time for our meeting? So said more simply, given that your previous meeting tends to always run over, what could you do to still be on time for our meeting? And there's many ways that you can have your own take on given that reason, what's possible, what else can we do, et cetera. There's many examples in the book, but the best skill that you can take away from today is this combination of what could get in the way or what's getting in the way and given what's in the way, what's possible to still meet this expectation. This is going to stimulate the brain to think about something in a way they maybe never have before. And this is part of the value that you bring being a leader to facilitate this learning. You're helping prompt their brains with new questions that they may not have thought of themselves. And one of my favorite aspects of using these two questions, which I call possibility thinking, is that the questions that you ask employees are the questions you're teaching them to ask themselves. 
So they know when they come to you with a challenge or reasons why something's not working, if they expect that you're going to use this similar format, something similar to given those challenges, what else can you do? If they trust that you will meet them with those types of questions, they will start to ask themselves those questions before they come to you. So not only are you unearthing what their challenges are, but you're helping them learn how to have better critical thinking skills. So let's say in this case, you say, okay, given that that meeting does tend to run late, but I would prefer you to still be on time for our meeting, what is possible to be able to be on time? Let's say our example employee says, okay, if it's that important, then I guess what I can do is let the client know that I have a hard stop at 9 a.m. And that way I'll feel a little more comfortable to kind of interrupt and change the flow of the conversation as that time is approaching. I'd say, okay, sounds like a great idea. And then from here, you're going to now go to the ask for the action step. So sometimes what they come up with in response to what's possible is a very clear action step. But in this case, the action step could be a little bit different. So I might say, okay, great plan. What will your first action step be to help ensure that that happens? If someone was having this accountability conversation with me, I would say I will set a reminder five minutes before that meeting starts to make sure that I remember to share that. Because as you heard in the last episode, if I'm not making this plan, if I am not preparing myself to do something differently before the moment I need to do it differently, I can almost guarantee that this conversation wouldn't have been enough. I would have been like, okay, great. I'll make sure I do that. And then I will move on to the next task I have in my busy day. And by the time this meeting rolls around, I will have forgotten. Oh yeah, I need to set that five minute timer before. So if you have an employee like me, you want to make sure that you're asking for that action step and that's prompting them to think through, okay, I know what I want to do differently, but what actions can I take to make sure that I create that momentum before I need to do it differently? And now it's time for the revisit step. So before you close this accountability conversation, you want to mention when you're going to revisit this. In the first episode, we talked about how you only need to add this formality when there's something that seems really stuck. I mean, you could do it for everything, but that would be exhausting, right? So we're looking for just these key areas of development, no more than three at one time. And we're wanting to be really clear that we are going to revisit this until the desired result is met satisfactorily. So ideally you will have a cadence for a one-on-one meeting. That's every one or two weeks. That would be ideal. If you go too much further beyond that, you're probably going to lose some accountability momentum here because you just need to be able to be having that feedback so that changes can be made in the brain. So if you have a regular one-on-one, that's great. So you can say, let's revisit this at our normal one-on-one next week and see how it's going and make sure it's on the agenda. Or if you don't have a regular cadence or it's not often enough, then say, okay, let's check back in on this in one or two weeks and see how it's going. And you want to calendar that. Even if it's a five minute check-in, this is actually going to change the brain. This is going to add what I call accountability attention to the subconscious brain. Although the conscious part of the human might understand that this is important, the subconscious is always prioritizing where to put attention. And if you're a brain geek like me, that's the reticular activating system at work. It's like a goalie for the brain of what enters from the conscious to the subconscious brain and vice versa. And it's been said that the conscious mind can only hold about 40 bits of information a second, whereas the subconscious is closer to 40 million bits of information. So this goalie is crucial 
to everything they know they're supposed to do and what is actually in the conscious and receives that change. So this revisiting allows for that reticular activating system to say, oh, this is actually important because we're going to be coming back to this. And that will help them and their brain to be able to actually make progress on this desired result. So now it's time to let the employee do their effort. We're going to see what happens. And let's say it's a week later at a normal one-on-one. Or if you had scheduled this revisiting check-in, it could just be even a five-minute, 10-minute check-in on this one item. So we're just going to repeat this clear process just in a reflective manner. So here's what it would sound like. Okay, we talked about checking in on how it's going with being on time to meetings. That's you re-clarifying the desired result. Then you're going to state what the actual result is. You're going to be calibrating the difference between the actual result and the desired result. So you could say you were actually on time for two of those five meetings. So this is where you're going to calibrate the difference between the achieved and desired result, and you're going to celebrate where they've made progress if they have. So in this case, we're going to celebrate those two times where they did well. So you might say, clearly you're doing something that worked there. That's great. And then you could say, and there still were those three times where you were a bit late. So let's talk about what was going on there. So what got in the way of you being on time those three times? So now we're back to that step, learning what's in the way. Let's say the reason they give now is that the client just keeps talking and they feel uncomfortable ending the meeting, even though they had set that hard deadline. This is important because this is where we're really honoring what makes them human and we are working in reality. Many people might be uncomfortable. It might feel confrontational to interrupt a client. And so we want to get realistic with what is in the way. And you can imagine here, if you were not doing this process and instead just said, hey, I really need you to be on time for meetings. And they said, okay, I will. They are not addressing this deep discomfort they might have with interrupting. And it would be much harder for them to change that. It would be more stressful than necessary. And they probably would have a very difficult time managing cutting them off. So you're missing out on being intentional and realistic by not learning what's in the way in the way we are here. So I would say this is very valid. They feel uncomfortable having to interrupt a high value client. So you could say from here, okay, I understand you're feeling uncomfortable cutting off that client. So given that you do feel that way, what else could you try to help still be at our meeting on time? And from here, again, you're prompting them with thinking they probably haven't thought about themselves. A lot of us just get stuck on, well, these are the real reasons why this is difficult for me. And we kind of get stuck there. So as a leader, you can help interrupt that thinking by prompting new thinking about what's possible. And a quick tangent, I have clients report back that a lot of times using this, an employee might initially say, I don't know, I don't know what's in the way, but I would encourage you to not take the bait of, I don't know, especially if the, I don't know response happens quickly, like within five seconds, what that response really means is I don't know yet. I haven't thought about it enough. Maybe they need more time to think about it, or maybe they're just used to, I don't know, being enough. And then people give up and move on. So this is where we want to really nurture that strategic, critical thinking. So if they respond, I don't know, then you have, I would say, two options. The first that I would recommend is to slow down and say, okay, well, that's probably because you're not used to working on this. So let's really slow down and think about it. If you think about what you're experiencing as you feel that hesitation to end the meeting, what would help you feel more equipped to do that? What would you need to try or what could you try? 
Because if they keep getting stuck again, it might be a skills issue. And so you want to open it up. What would you need? What could help make it easier for you? And here's where you just ask better questions to help prompt their brain to truly think about it. And honestly, if they're in this way in this meeting, it's probably affecting other areas of their work. And so you might discover that what would help them might be some type of class around difficult conversations, or maybe they've just never thought about it as intentionally as you're helping them do now. Your goal is to be very genuine and help them learn what's in the way. And I know we're all busy, but I promise that if you take this five minutes to slow down and really help them learn how to think about this, help them uncover new possibilities that are realistic to them, it will save you so much time because this is sustainable learning that they will take and use in all parts of their role. This is helping you get to root causes of issues so that they can perform better in all areas. As I like to say, make the foundational fix, not the quick fix. So let's say they respond, well, I'm just not good at that. And you could respond, okay, well, given that you're not good at that, let's still think of some options. What are some new things that you could try? Now, I think in this example, they could come up with some other things. But let's say the issue you're working on, they keep saying, I don't know, because they genuinely do not know. It would be okay if you have some recommendations to share. But the goal of the model is to be training employees how to think so that they rely on you less. We're going to reverse any learned helplessness that may have been part of the company culture. So it's okay if you have ideas, but I really recommend you give them space to think about it, even if you let them go think about it for a little bit, come up with some options by our next meeting. We want them to have this opportunity to learn themselves and come up with their own solutions as much as possible. But if it's just exhausted, then they may have a skill limitation there and they do need your support in adding that skill. So it's okay if you share your recommendations, but make sure they've had a really genuine chance to think through it themselves. So let's say the example employee now says, you know, actually I'd be better off making that meeting 45 minutes instead of an hour, because at least if we go over five minutes, it's not that big of a deal. That could be a valid strategy to try. Or they might say, okay, I do have my reminder to let them know that I have a hard stop, but I'm also going to set a reminder 10 minutes before the end of that meeting. So it pops up and reminds me to try to end that conversation sooner. So that I would say is an action step, right? So let's just say you had said, okay, what's your action step going to be? And they said, I'm going to set that 10 minute reminder before the meeting ends to help me remember. And then you'll just restate that revisiting. Okay, sounds great. Let's check in next week and see how it goes. So that is the clear results model from inspiring accountability. Can you feel how much more supportive and almost efficient this is? It's a few more minutes up front than simply saying, I need you to be on time to meetings, okay? And they say, okay. (laughs) But here you are truly creating the change that's needed. You are helping them without really taking on too much burden. They're the ones doing the thinking. They're the ones having to be courageous and take new action. And you're facilitating that learning. You're helping them discover and improve the thinking, actions, and skills needed to get that desired result. And you'll revisit until they've met your expectations satisfactorily. So part of this process is we're simply unearthing all of those reasons, those valid reasons, and we're working them into the solution. So coming back to that road sign metaphor, if you learn that there's a rock slide that's creating one-way traffic on your way to a place you're trying to go, your desired result, your desired destination... If you know about that rock slide ahead of time, you have a choice that you can either include some extra time, 
before you leave because you know there'll be some one-way traffic being flagged, or you can just choose a different way and plan accordingly. But if you don't know those roadblocks and reasons in the way ahead of time, you will likely waste more time than you would have, or more importantly, not get to your destination on time. So your goal is to unearth and learn about as many of those roadblocks that are slowing down the path to the destination ahead of time so that you can include and work them into the solution. So there's a simplistic overview of how to use the clear results model and how you can hold people accountable in a productive and supportive way. This is the facilitating learning so that you get better and better results as you help your employee get the thinking, actions, and skills aligned with meeting expectations. And one note before we close is that it's very important not to use possibility thinking to expect the impossible. Uncovering the reasons and then saying, given those reasons, what's possible is all about being more realistic and working with what makes us human. It's not about expecting them to do something that's simply impossible for their current thinking and skill level. It's finding what is realistic. So for example, if someone were to set an expectation that I run a marathon tomorrow and running is not something that I enjoy or do by choice, there's no amount of, well, given what my reasons are, what's possible for you to still run this marathon tomorrow? There's nothing that could be done. There's just nothing physically that would make that possible for me. And that can be the same thing with your employees. You're using this to help honor their dignity, to help them learn to problem solve and think critically, but you're not using this to embarrass them or expect the impossible. If you're seeking to find that realistic way to help them on their path, get to the end result more effectively and efficiently, then you're on the right path using the possibility thinking. So let's talk through one more real world example. Nidra owns a restaurant and her employee Alicia is in charge of counting the money at the end of the night, which should be matching the actual money that goes to the bank. Every handful of times, Alicia has gotten the count wrong. And so Nidra's plan before the clear accountability model is simply to tell Alicia, I want you to count the money twice. This is Nidra's solution to this problem. But you'll notice that counting the money twice is actually not the desired result. So let's apply how we would use the clear accountability model here. I would first coach Nidra to think about what is the actual desired result stated in the positive. And that would be that she wants the money count to equal the actual money there verified by the bank. So she would say to Alicia, I've noticed that every few times the count is off by a little bit and I really need that to be accurate. Then she would prompt to learn what's in the way. So she'd say, what do you think is getting in the way of getting an accurate count? Now, in my mind, trusting a human to count a large amount of cash would not necessarily lead me to think I should expect full accuracy, but this is a common practice. And so let's see where this conversation goes. So in the first case, Alicia's reason was that she thinks she might be dyslexic, which as we talked about, a lot of excuses might be valid. So in this case, it would be understandable if a leader were to not really know where to go from there to respond to that. But with our tools from the clear model, we can say, okay, and this is a little black and white, obviously you might soften the conversation up, but for the sake of the example, you might respond, oh, okay, well, given that you think you might be dyslexic, what do you think would still work for us to have an accurate count at the end of the night? So you'll notice this response is not necessarily what can you do to make sure you get the accurate count. We've opened it up a little bit. This is going to help Alicia think through, are there other resources? What else can she do? 
So in this case, Alicia might say, okay, maybe I can, instead of just counting all the money in my hand, I'll make certain piles and I'll have the other employee verify that. Okay, that's one thing to try. And who knows what ideas she might come up with. That's what's fun about this. And it's also what can make providing real world examples a little challenging because we have no idea what they might say. So let's say she says, okay, that sounds good. So what would your first action step be to make sure that that happens on your next shift? And she'd say, I'll text the person I'm working with to let them know that I'd like to do this count together. And so Nidra could say, great, let's check in next week and see how it goes this week and see if that solution is working. Okay, Alicia now puts in her effort with her new strategy. And let's say now it's a week later and let's say one count was still off. Nidra would say, okay, so three of the counts were accurate and one of the counts was off. Great job on those three. And you might even wanna say what worked well there. I try not to complicate it too much, but learning goes both ways. You can also learn from what went well. So you can have that conversation, celebrate what she did well, genuinely, and now it's time to say, okay, so for that one time, what do you think got in the way there of having an accurate count? Another excuse Alicia has shared has been that she was jet lagged. So here's another time where a leader might normally have to say, well, that's not an excuse. I need you to have the count right. And Alicia would say, okay, nothing has changed here. Instead, we're going to say, okay, given that you were jet lagged, what else could you have done and can you do in the future to make sure that that doesn't affect the ability to get an accurate count at the end of the night? And now here she might say, okay, well, if I'm feeling really tired, (laughs) then maybe I need to ask for help from another employee, or I at least need to let you know. Who knows what she might come up with? But the important part is that we're prompting this possibility thinking, hey, real things happen in the world. What else can we do? What else can we try? What else haven't we thought of that will still get us that desired result? So I hope that example was helpful, and I would love to hear some of your accountability challenges so that I can do an entire episode on navigating some of the accountability challenges you're having and apply this model so it feels really realistic and doable for you. So if you have a current or a past example where you've heard some excuses from employees, please jump on to itshardtobeleaderpodcast.com, and it will take you to a place where you can share that in the contact form. And I will make an episode talking about how we can navigate your most stuck accountability challenges. So that concludes this two-part series on how do you actually hold someone accountable? I welcome your questions, your feedback. Again, you can go to itshardtobeleaderpodcast.com and share your thoughts, feedback, and questions. If you'd like to learn more about me, Elena Noel, or check out our book, workshops, and services, you can go to inspiringaccountability.com. If you enjoyed and got value today, please take a moment to rate this podcast and of course, share, like, and follow so you're up to date on the next episode and we can help this podcast grow and reach more leaders. Together, let's work with what makes us human and make work and the world a better place. We'll see you next time.